Let me tell you something I've been convicted about this week. I've been convicted about the power of my words. If you didn't know it, your words can build someone up or they can dramatically tear someone down. Your words can be a blessing or they can be a curse. Your words can build bridges to the kingdom of God or they can be a roadblock that keeps someone out of eternity. You may not know it, but your words reflect who you are. Somebody say amen. And in a very similar way, God's word is a reflection of who he is. But it's much, much more than just a reflection of who he is. As Christians living in turbulent times, you and I should be faithfully reading and studying and sharing life's instruction manual. Amen? The Word of God is life's instruction manual. You see, because life doesn't always work out the way we planned, you and I need the word, a word from God to make us prepared for life's hardest challenges. Now, I mentioned in last week's message that one way to stay connected with Jesus, to stay focused on Christ, is to make sure you stay interested in the Word of God. Today, I want to take that thought just a little bit deeper. Take that thought of staying interested in the Word of God just a little bit further, and I want to look at the impact that God's Word can have on your entire Christian life. The impact that it can have on your heart. The impact God's Word can have on your mind. And the impact God's Word can have on your will. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, that's on page 1057. 1057 in the Bible's in front of you if you want to follow along. The Apostle Paul writes to his student, his young protege named Timothy, and he details what Timothy's focus ought to be as he pastors a church there at Ephesus. But not only what the focus should be, but why the focus should be that. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I charge you, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their 
own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Friend, I am so thankful that this church is founded on the Word of God. Furthermore, I am so thankful that this church is grounded in the priority of God's Word in everything we do. Because not every church is. Not every, every gathering of people that calls itself a church places its focus on the Word of God. But for Paul to express such strong concerns to Timothy regarding the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, it leads us to think, man, there must have been a problem in the first church too. Where churches or gathering of so-called believers weren't really grounded in the Word of God. You see, as the first churches were being formed, they went through some real turbulent times. We don't know the kind of turbulent times that they went through. I mean, they were actually being persecuted and executed for their faith. We're not to that point yet. Also, there were all kinds of false teachers roaming around and spewing their lies. And Paul knew that those believers needed something, something to keep them grounded in their faith. Paul knew that the anchor that those early Christians needed was the truth of God's word that is found not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as it was being written that very day. Now, some 2,000 years later, you and I are going through turbulent times of our own. And the only thing that is going to get us through the chaos is relying on the Word of God in the same way those first believers relied on the Word of God. You see, friend, in turbulent times, you and I need a sure word from God. We need a sure word from God. When we live in an unsure world, like we do, we need a sure word from God. With our peace and our comfort and our security hanging in the balance, Christians need God's word to remind us that our hope is not found in this world. In verse 2, Paul gives Timothy, and I believe he gives us, because listen to me, before Timothy was a pastor, he was a Christian. Amen? And of course, as a pastor, he better be a Christian. Amen? But I believe that Paul could be writing this to you or me the same way he could have been writing it to Timothy. So listen carefully. As he was writing to Timothy and us, he gave five charges in light of the turbulent times that we're living in. He begins his first command by saying, Preach the word. Preach the word. You say, Bill, I ain't no preacher. 
Well, listen, as Paul was facing the end of his life, he knew that it was going to be up to young leaders. Young leaders to help people keep the faith. It was going to be up to young leaders to keep the faith alive. And listen, young people, one day there are going to be some older saints here. They're going to hand that baton off to you. They're going to put that mantle on you, and they're going to say, it's up to you to keep the faith alive at Bethel Baptist Church. But preach, you know what preach means? Preach just means to proclaim publicly. It just means to openly declare the truth, your message. And in Romans 10, 14, Paul asks a critical question. He says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear if no one proclaims it publicly? So I want you to take this personally today. You may not be in the ministry as a preacher, but let me tell you what, your job is to proclaim the truth publicly, to openly declare the message of God. And the reason that the word was needed in the first century is the same reason that it's needed in the 21st century. And that is because in Psalm 119 verse 89, the Bible tells us that God's word is settled in heaven. God's word is settled in heaven. We don't need a new word from heaven. We need to live by the word we've already got. Amen. We need to live by the word that has been settled in the midst of God's people from the mind of God himself. The sure word of God. It's what brought people out of darkness and into the light 2,000 years ago. And friend, it's the same one that brings us into the light. And it will continue to be that way as long as God's word is preached. As long as the word is proclaimed publicly by believers. As long as it is openly declared by those who believe in Jesus Christ. Friend, you're a preacher in every, every part of the word. You're a preacher. Just consider, friend, for a moment. That the word of God has had a life-changing effect upon millions and millions and millions of Christians over the past 20 centuries. Changed their lives. The power of the word. That's how powerful God's word is. And that's why Paul instructed Timothy. To preach the word. You see friend. It's not the preacher. It's the word of God that changes lives. And we need to be about the business. Of proclaiming that message publicly. Openly declaring it by the life we live and the voices that we have. In our turbulent times, the word of God is the only sure thing we got. We need a sure word from God. But can I tell you that we also need a serious word from God. Paul's next charge to Timothy is to be ready. Be ready in season and out of season. And what he's saying to Timothy there, the idea is, is that you and I should be ready all the time to apply God's word to the turbulent times we're living in. 
proclaim God's word like it makes the difference between life or death. Because guess what? You better believe it. You better believe it. God's word makes a difference between life or death. And God didn't give us his word as extra baggage for us to carry to church on Sunday. Amen? He gave it to us to give life. He gave it to us to bring blessing. And God's word is serious business. Because it carries his instructions for living this life we're in, but also living in the next life or not. Amen? So, friend, listen carefully. We need a sure word from God. But this is a very serious word. But we also need a very structured word from God. Paul uses three words to tell us how Christians are supposed to communicate the word. He uses three words, convince, rebuke, and exhort. We don't use none of those words anymore, amen? So what we use is words like persuade, to pay, patiently correct, perhaps to encourage someone. And it's these words that tell how God's word changes people. If we are ready in season and out of season to proclaim the word of God. Because if we're not, we can't expect any lives to be changed around us. But we need to know that our minds, our minds need to be convinced by the word. Convince means to plead based on evidence. Just like an attorney in court, we need to be ready to provide biblical evidence that the Bible is true. It, that, that, that the, Bible, the Bible evidence that'll change someone's mind. You know, as emotional as our faith in Christ can be, it is so much more than just emotion. I mean, if you buckle down and start reading Bible books like Romans and Hebrews, and you'll discover just how much brain power is needed to begin understanding those important Bible truths. That's one reason why the Word of God lasts a lifetime, because it takes a whole lifetime to understand them, amen? But the Bible is also called the living Word of God. And the reason it's called the living Word of God is because it speaks to us in all the different seasons of life. It speaks to us in every different situation of life. It is the living Word of God, and we need to be proclaiming it every opportunity we get. Proclaiming and studying God's word transforms us. How does it do it? By renewing our mind and showing us what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds need to be convinced by the word. But you know what? Our wills also need to be convicted by the word. That word rebuke. It means to correct somebody's behavior, correct someone's attitude when it's going the wrong way. It means to bring conviction, to point someone to God's way of doing things. It's a rebuke. Now we know that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict someone of sin, but it's the believer's job to share the word of God with somebody so that they know they're right from wrong, so they know God's way of doing things. Now, there are many preachers that will avoid preaching on sin. Just so you know, I ain't one of them. Amen. Somebody say amen. I mean, how are people going to know what God says is sin 
if I don't tell them exactly what God's word says is sin. It's not about what I say. It's about what God's word says. And I read where a preacher once said, if you've never been hurt by a word from God, chances are you've never heard God speak. Because sometimes, friend, sometimes our will needs to be convicted by the word of God. God's word can be convincing. But boy, she can also be convicting. Amen? But I think we need both. I need to be convinced. And I need to be convicted. But our hearts also need to be comforted by the word. Yeah, our minds need the word. Our wills need to be touched by the word of God. But so does my heart. So does my heart. Exhort means to encourage people to stay on God's path. Now you might say, well, that sounds a whole lot like rebuke, Brother Bill. Well, let me tell you the difference. Rebuke is intensely trying to get someone to take God's path, while exhorting is gently trying to get someone to go God's way. Again, at different times, we need both. Sometimes somebody's got to get in my grill and remind me of what God's word says. Other times, it needs to be a little bit more gentle. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul was writing about the rapture of the church. He was writing about the return of Jesus Christ. And as he closed, he used these words. He said, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. That is exactly what it means to exhort. To let the truth of God's word answer your questions. To let the truth of God's word dispel your fears. To let the truth of God's word put you on the path of faith. And to let the truth of God's word comfort you when you're going through turbulent times. And we all do. But regular exposure, friend. Regular exposure to the word of God will convince your mind. It'll convict your will. And it will comfort your heart. That is God's part. That's what God does. But our part is what? Our part is to take in the word of God and make sure we're sharing it with other people. Because not only do we need it, other people need it too. So to thrive in turbulent times, yeah, we need a sure word from God. We definitely need a serious word from God. And we need a structured word from God. But we also need a sensitive word from God. Paul said that preaching, proclaiming the word of God should also be done, here's what he said, with long-suffering and teaching. I'm so thankful that God is long-suffering with me. In other words, Paul said, you're teaching, you're proclaiming of God's word to your friends and family. It doesn't always need to be in your face. It doesn't always need to be harsh in order to get the intended change. No, you can teach and share with long-suffering and teaching. But you have to admit, you know people that sit in churches week after week. And they're hearing biblical preaching. But for whatever reason, they just don't apply what they hear. Maybe they're refusing to serve God in some ministry. 
Maybe they're denying an obvious sin that needs repentance. Maybe, friend, they're dragging their feet about worshiping God with a tithe. Whatever it is. They sit and they listen week after week, but they don't change. So what's a preacher supposed to do? What's a pastor supposed to do? Is he supposed to get frustrated and aggravated with the people? No, sir. Paul said he's to be long-suffering and patient just like Jesus is with him. He's to keep on faithfully proclaiming what God says. And he's to keep on trusting the Holy Spirit to stir up the mind, the heart, and the will of the people. And then when people do respond, and listen, eventually, they all do. That pastor will know that he had nothing to do with it. That it was all the Lord's doings as he worked in the lives of his people. So in a similar way, in our Christian lives, we need to be patient with one another. We need to be patient with one another. See, everyone is not at the same spiritual plane that you are. We're all at different spiritual planes in our walk with Jesus Christ. So don't blow your cool. Don't, don't give up hope when someone intentionally chooses not to respond to God's urgings. Don't give up hope, friend, when someone chooses to deliberately disobey God. You keep on praying for them. And you keep on proclaiming the word of God to them. Sharing the word of God. We got to remember, friend, that there is not one of us who is without sin. And no one should cast the first stone. In fact, the one, the only one, who could cast the first stone, didn't. Now this may seem like old news to many of you, but the reason it's new news is because the level of turbulence that we see in the world today. And listen, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get worse. It's going to get more difficult as we move closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. That being the case, listen to me carefully. It is more important than ever for you and I to lean on the word of God with our daily living. I read this week that if you don't fill your mind with the word of God... The enemy will fill it. If you don't fill your mind with the word of God, the enemy will fill it with fear. Fill it with anxiety. He'll fill it with stress and worry. He'll fill it with temptation. Yeah, he'll fill it if you don't. Only the sure, serious, structured and sensitive word from God will enable you and I to stay the course to, to continue finishing the race and fighting that good fight. Even in the midst of our turbulent times. 
Now, at the end of last week's message, I shared a very relevant message with you from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah said, you, Lord, will keep him in perfect peace, even in turbulent times. Perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This week, I want to give you a new one. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing will cause them to stumble. Now, if you could substitute your word for your law there, you would have a word from God that would keep you in perfect peace, no matter what kind of turbulent times you're going through. Great peace have those who love your word, and nothing causes them to stumble. Friend, if you want to thrive in the turbulent times that are either here or coming, you're going to need to keep your mind, your heart, and your will focused on the Word of God. Peter said that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And His Word tells us how to access that and how to appropriate that in our lives. You need this Word. You need this word, my friend. Of course, God's word also tells us how we can have the greatest gift of all. How we can receive the grace of God and the mercy he offers and have heaven with him for all eternity. It says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. No, it's a gift of God. And Paul said in another part. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love. With which he loved us. Even when me and you. Were dead in trespasses. He made us. Alive together in Christ. He made us raised up together in Christ. And he has made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. What kind of grace is that? What kind of mercy is that? What kind of love is that? What kind of gift is that? It's a gift of God. But you know, we also acknowledge that a gift is only a gift if it's received. It's not a gift if the recipient doesn't receive it. So I ask you this morning, have you received the gift of God? During our decision time at the close of our services... We always offer that opportunity for someone to receive the gift. Have you received the gift of God? If not, you can today. But not only that, you may need some prayer. And I would count it a privilege to pray for you about whatever kind of burden you're toting. Maybe you, just, you need a fresh start. 
need to put the past behind me, Bill. I need to start from this point forward walking in faith with Christ. Maybe you're saying, you know, I made that, I received that gift a long time ago, Bill, but I never did the first thing Jesus told me to do, and that is to follow through in believer's baptism. We are scheduling that as we speak, and we're going to have several that are going to be baptized soon. If that's something that's on your heart, you come. But also today, you have an opportunity to renew your dedication to the Word of God. We've got these NASB New Testament Bibles up here. NASB is the North American Standard Bible, and it is one of the most trusted and reliable translations because it translates the Bible word for word, not idea for idea. It's not man uh, trying to give his idea about what God's idea is. It's an NASB New Testament. And we have these, and we as a church want to give it to you. The only thing that you got to do is come up here and get it. Amen. My prayer is, is that you'll, there'll be nothing but brown craft paper when we close this decision time. Because you may say, Bill, I already got that. I got the word and I'm reading the word. But what kind of special gift might that be for somebody you've been praying for to give them a reliable, trustworthy New Testament that's already tabbed, by the way, to point out the verses in the Bible that share the gospel good news about how people are saved in Jesus. So whatever your need is today, and I pray you Bethelonians will get up here real quick and get you one or two of these. Because you may have a copy, but not everybody does. And so we want to give these to you, and you just come as we sing. But I want to pray for you, and whatever the Lord has placed on your heart, I want to make sure that, uh, that God blesses you in that during this decision time, okay? So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we rejoice at this opportunity to respond to what we've heard. Father, there are all manner of distractions and things that we do that keep us from reading the Word of God like we should. We need it, God. And so, Father, I pray that, Father, if the gospel good news message that we can receive your goodness through faith in Jesus Christ, that we can receive heaven with you for all eternity, Father, if that's what somebody needs today, would you urge them to come? Father, if they're ready for a fresh start today, ready to follow through in believer's baptism, whatever that is for them, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them today and they would make that decision today. Father, if they just need prayer, Father, that's what decision time is about, is aligning ourselves with your will. And Lord, my prayer is, is that, Lord, somebody would come and take all these copies of the word of God, not only for themselves, but for those in our circle of influence that need it. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. And Lord, we just ask you now, in Jesus' name, to have your will and your way in this decision time. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's...